In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. So we'll start out with that. I had an interesting idea for a show. Okay, let's I'm in. Because this happens, in fact, our last episode with the eight people would have kind of happened. And this happened, I think, at the uh, OKC Cellar episode. I was talking to somebody about this Where we were day. drinking the wine? Yeah. And I was talking about this the other day, and it kind of sparked this idea of if we had enough people on the show that we could actually have two completely independent things happening and we would produce it so that like in your headphones you could listen to the left side yeah and you could hear one thing or you could listen to the right side and you could hear the other <laughs> It'd be or kind of trippy you could listen to both and just kind of get the chaos i experience and my hope You'd- my hope is that we catch the the twin stereo phenomenon <laughs> did you notice we're twins yeah. where at one point when you're listening in stereo, you two are actually saying <laughs> the exact same, same, same thing, thing to different people. So that's my hope. That's not a bad idea for a show. It's an interesting concept. I think that would be interesting. Yeah. So uh, we didn't do our quick microphone edit etiquette. Yeah, I just so noticed this before we started. So are we saying? Yeah, 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 we're oh, going. Yeah, we started. Oh, oh, this we're was going. actually oh, going. We're going. Yeah, no, this is really going. <laughs> okay, cool. So. Well, I, I feel I feel like I should probably introduce this that? guest. I feel like I, I, I find that ironic. I, I know I find that funny, but I don't know if anyone else finds that funny. But you go ahead and introduce this guest. So I'm going to preface this by saying that I've known of you for a long time. We've interacted a little bit online. Something about you is similar. Something very He's very similar about us. Uh, so we have on the show Stephen Tyler Holman. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. It's nice to finally me. meet you. Yeah, it absolutely. is very nice to finally meet you. <laughs> I think I first, maybe I'd heard about you before, but I, when uh, you took that drone photo of yeah. the music festival, I started getting lots of messages from people asking me if they could share it or have copies. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not the, did you not have the same <laughs> <laughs> Kind of makes sense. Yeah. I saw, I heard Steven Tyler. It was Norman. It's Your last name is Tyler though, right? Yes. My last See, name okay. is Tyler. Yeah. My middle name is Tyler. I'm named after... Uh, Steven Tyler of Aerosmith, my dad's favorite band. Okay. So. God, this is so weird. Because I am not named after Steven Tyler. But don't you share actually. the same birthday but as Steven? I share the same birthday. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'm sitting between them, so and I'm a twin, so I'm like really freaked out right and now. And Steven Tyler is coming to a casino very soon. Yeah, that's true. And the other thing is, is I went to high school with a set of twin girls with the last name Holden who live in Norman. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's just that just goes to show you. There's, there's no new ideas sure. in the universe. One of them is Heather Holman from Channel Four. Oh, okay, yeah. that's spelled oh, differently. Though. It e, is spelled yeah, differently, but it e, sounds yeah. exactly the same. I don't think I knew she was from Norman, though. But that's cool. One of them is actually okay, just one. Okay. Well, what's strange is you've been getting a lot of attention lately. You have, and I have yeah. not received any of, of <laughs> that. Has, has that not, you've had no, no reciprocation from this at all. But you've had undue attention bestowed upon you for no reason. Can we say that? Uh, yeah, I'd be safe to say that. Yeah, All I right. mean, some reason, but why has so much yeah. attention been bestowed upon you lately? Our friend Ron Farrell, who I think was our very first guest on this show, just messaged me. Get Stephen on. You have to let Stephen tell his story. <laughs> uh, it's hard to say where to start. Um, you know, the friendly market case has been a real prominent issue in the. In Norman, but really the metro area and even nationwide, we've had national news coverage of this issue. Uh, the national news was in attendance during our last trial. Um, a nonprofit organization in Washington, D.C. called the DKT Liberty Project uh, is who has been paying the legal fees for really? over a year now. Um, they heard about this case, um, and their goal as a nonprofit is to help people uh, – stand up to what they consider government overreach. So mm. civil asset forfeiture or different things like that. And they um, did, they did, you had money, there was money taken from Friendly's Market. That's that's correct. A little over $4,000 wow. in cash was taken right out of the store by the police. Quick. Just opened up the cash register they and just took, took it, it right out. Okay, that's quick, called theft. Quick question, quick backstory. Are you, are you an owner of this 
I am not the owner. I uh, was just the general manager. General manager. Uh, When the first raid on the store happened, I had been the general manager for less than three months. When did the first raid happen? The first raid on the Friendly Market happened December 1st, 2015, uh, which would have been the store opened in October, October 4th, 2014. The store had been open for over a year. And what, um, what is the Friendly Market? Yeah, yeah. What friendly it? Market was a store in Norman, a, what you call a specialty store. Um, Can some is it something some people might call a head shop? Some people would, because of some of the items sold in the store, might think that. Yes, uh, the police definitely tried to characterize the Friendly Market as a head shop. Um, the owner of the Friendly Market had a very different view of what the store was. He had been to so-called head shops, and he wanted to have a store that was a different atmosphere than that. It may sell the same type of products, but he uh, wanted something different, a more friendly, more family-friendly atmosphere. Mm -hmm. That's friendly market. And so the friendly market was a specialty store that sold, like, furniture, refurbished furniture, clothing, hemp hemp clothing, um, essential oils, tapestries, uh, and in addition to smoking products uh, like wooden pipes, metal pipes, glass pipes, rolling papers, different types of tobacco, and different types of legal herbs that you can smoke out mm-hmm. of glass pipes or other types of pipes, uh, hookahs, electronic cigarettes. Um, the store sold and displayed local art. People, local artists could display their artwork on the walls at Friendly Market and sell it through there. Um, so uh, the Friendly Market had a, an area where people could come sit down and have tea while you're shopping. There was a, a no-pressure type of atmosphere where you could come in, you weren't expected to buy anything, you could look around as freely as you chose, you wouldn't have salespeople on top of you or anything. You could sit down and have a cup of tea and talk about the issues going on in your neighborhood if you wanted to. That's the type of place that the owner, Robert Cox, envisioned when he opened the store. And that's kind of about what it was. The I assume, based on what we've heard so far, that the, the underlying issue is the smoking apparatuses that's correct. that you guys sell. To smoke what? What, is the, what would you say like the percentage of offerings in that store that those make up? Uh, about the half of the store was half the store was a smoke shop. Okay, all in one room, glass and all. that's including the vapes and yes, the, everything the hookahs. And then the rest of the store was the clothing, furniture, art, stuff like books, records, okay. stuff like that. Um, and the smoke shop was in a separate room because when the landlord of the property, when the owner was opening the store, the landlord uh, required him to construct a separate room. And the purpose too was to uh, was because to go into that separate room you needed to have an ID and be over sure. twenty one years old. But he wanted to allow anybody to come into the store and sure. bring kids in. And you know, understanding that um, you know, although not illegal, maybe parents don't want to explain to their kids what that is yet. Yeah. Uh, the same reason why a lot of video stores may have a separate room where the, you will find yeah. adult videos. Well, it's not illegal, even- but. Even on a more more, like benign version of that, it's the same reason why restaurants with bars in them have railings and signage and isolated sections. Like right, and that's you know, like I said, the friendly market to buy a a smoking device, the friendly market or tobacco, you had to be twenty one. You had to have your ID with you. If you didn't have it with you, it didn't matter how old you were. You could not purchase it from the friendly market. If I was sixty five and walked in there, you wouldn't sell me. We would not. No, Uh, just because we wanted to just. You were trying the to hard keep stance. that very clear. Yes. Yeah. And the other policy of the friendly market, what we believed we had to do to stay in line with state law was if anybody came into the store and uh, was visibly under the influence of any kind of substance, they like were four beers. impaired. If they were if they were drunk or if they were visibly high on any kind of substance, we would ask them to leave. If you came into the store and you had a shirt on with a marijuana leaf, you'd be asked to leave. Really? If you came into the store and you said, hey, man, yeah, can't wait till Oklahoma gets with it like Colorado, you would be asked to leave. You cannot talk about any kind of illegal activity or substances that are illegal in the state of how Oklahoma. Did that, how did that make you feel to enact that, um, those kind of rules? I mean, did, did, it, it, did it, it feel kind of ironic? Did it, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you don't believe that. Right, but that's uh, that's what we believe the state law was, and that's what you and had. You were to trying to follow this. Yes. You were trying to well, follow the state yes. law. And not only that, I think you already said this though, but you were trying to maintain that atmosphere of this is a family friendly, all right. ages environment. And you same thing if you bring your daughter in there and you're sitting on the couches and having a cup of tea, you don't want somebody walking yeah. by with the pot leaf on their shirt going and making a, and you have to deal with that as a parent. Yeah. So, I mean, that's right. State law aside, I mean, 
you established that the point and the atmosphere and the vibe of the store was this. Yes. So those those things all played into that. And we never we never tried to play stupid or you know and say, well, what do you mean? We don't. Nobody nobody uses these pipes for legal purposes. Nobody smokes marijuana out of. We never. No said one that. smokes marijuana, right? We don't know people right. who smoke marijuana. Um, no idea. What our stance about. was. No. We don't allow discussion or mention of anything wow. illegal in this store. If, <laughs> uh, if there's any indication to us that you're going to purchase this item and use it for illegal substances, we will not sell it to you. And, um, but, at, but if you come into the store, you have a valid ID that says you're over 21 years old. You come in and say, I'm looking for a pipe. I like that one, and I'll buy it. And you buy it? Well, then it's your property and it's your responsibility right. what you do with it. If you choose to break the law with that pipe, then that is your issue to deal with, not the store. Right. So you covered all of the bases based upon the laws of the yes. states, yes. right? Yes, absolutely. I would say above and beyond. Above because and beyond. Because it's not beyond. illegal for me to talk about smoking marijuana in this state. But it's illegal for it. the store to sell something to you if you talk about it in their presence. But they still fucked with you. Right. The Norman Police Department and the Cleveland County District Attorney's Office decided to take a stance that basically they were going to test the limits of, the, of how far they could interpret the law. And to do law. that, they, can we say this, they targeted you. I would Can agree. we say that? I mean, it's, it, that's what it has is appeared that, as it's though. Ob- it's just obvious that they, are these the waffles? They yeah. targeted you. Yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, that issue, um, you know, the owner of the store going above and beyond, he consulted with multiple legal counsel before he opened the store. He consulted with retired police officers and so on. He went above and beyond to make sure he was following the rules. And because of that effort is one reason why a jury acquitted he and I both of all the charges was because we were so thorough. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So, and congratulations for you being acquitted of all of these charges, we are going to serve you waffles. So Thank you. hopefully you listened to our previous episode Thanks. with uh, Vanessa House and Parks Bar and Grill. Um, and they just right. delivered a waffle. <laughs> Steven, grab your waffle. Oh, God. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> so we are congratulating Steven for his win by giving him a Parks Bar and Grill waffle. Thank you. What do you think, Steven? Very good. Was it worth it? Very good waffles. One of the best I've probably ever had. Did you know you were going to have a waffle? (laughs) Okay, yeah. No, these waffles are amazing. No, no, you don't. I think you need to put more clothes on. (laughs) Probably going to need some napkins, though. Oh, my God. So I have have a question. Um, are, Are there other shops in Norman that sell similar products? There are no... Current stores in Norman that sell similar products. There have been over the years. Many of them have shut down under the threat, a threat of law enforcement cracking down. Doing what we just went through, 18 months of a legal case and three trials, is what other stores were threatened with. And other stores did not have the either the will or the uh, financial means to stand up to it, so they just closed and left. Um, wow. In other cases, too, stores have been closed down because they either were selling an illegal substance or there was a legal substance found on the premises, mm-hmm. or when police went in undercover and made purchases, they recorded employees talking about illegal substances or how to use the pipes illegally. Is okay. that legal? This is the first time we've found any example of where there has been no drugs involved and there is no recording of any employees talking about drugs or how to use drugs or do anything. This is Which the first is time. I want to say you were targeted Again, that's uh, what uh, you know. A lot of people believe that that is the case. That there's no All other right. way you could so explain it. Here's what I would like to tell our listeners: a little thing about Stephen Tyler Holman is you are also a city councilman in that's the right. city of Rome, and you have you've kind of experienced the worst that law enforcement has to offer. And I don't shit on law enforcement. Law enforcement. I have no problem with, but they have been exceedingly interested in you for no reason. And in the midst of all of this and all of the lawsuits, you have done nothing but remained a calm and lawful, logical citizen. (laughs) I've never seen you act out. I've never seen you scream at anybody on social. I follow you on social media. 
I've never seen negative media reports of you. You have been nothing but an upstanding, very respectable, honest citizen and a member of city council the whole time. That's right. Um, I'm actually next this coming Tuesday. I will take the oath of office to begin my third term on the city council. Third. I was just reelected in February by almost 80% of the vote. So in the middle of all of this, 80% <laughs> yes. of the city of Norman decided to 80% of the ward I represent. Can I, can right. I, can I, can I get a fist me. bump? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, in February, I was reelected to a third term, like I said, by almost 80% of the vote. And then a week after that, uh, the yearly Norman transcript reader's choice awards, I was voted best elected official. Were you really? Yeah. So while being under felony indictment and uh, <laughs> having 12 misdemeanor paraphernalia charges against me. Um, going through that. Well, but, that actually just feels like pretty standard politician fare right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. really. <laughs> so. uh, yeah uh, local government around here is not usually that exciting. But, no. uh, uh, but yeah, reelected and then voted best elected official. Can you move up then, to Oklahoma uh, City? <laughs> and can uh, you, know, you and uh, Ed take over everything? Well, I uh, I love it. Um, he's yeah, we talked he's about one of my favorite. So I, yeah. I came down to Norman, so I um, I think what happened was uh, we basically found out that you guys were not going to get there were going to be no negative consequences for anything. Yeah, and my friend Ron Farrell was like, "You need to go to this party and meet Stephen Tyler Holman." Ron Farrell is very proud of you. He thought he admires you for what you did. So he had me go down to Norman and meet you at an event. Mm-hmm. What was what was that event that I went down? <laughs> I ran down there and and tried to find you. It uh, the event was a basically a friendly market appreciation party. A week after our not guilty verdict in our third trial, the third uh, trial, right? We decided to have a uh, you know basically a thank you get together um, at Andrews Park in Norman. Um, That's a pretty park. Yeah. It's Norman's Central Park, basically. It's our original city park, and uh, right across the street from City Hall and the police department. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, but we wanted to have a gathering and just you know try to thank everybody that's been supportive of us. So many people that we've never even met that have supported us since day one of this, that have stood by <laughs> us and known that we were right the entire time. Can I tell you who the most excited person I saw talking to you was? I was like, this guy's never going to quit talking to him. And I don't know who this guy was. I think it was your dad. Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was so proud of you and so excited. And then he was just talking his ear off to you that night. Well, my, my dad, I was raised by my dad. I'm um, uh, uh, basically raised, I'm an only child raised by a single dad, basically. And, uh, and you know, my dad has always supported everything I've ever wanted to do. He's never pressured me to do anything. Uh, but he's always supported me in whatever decisions I did make. And, uh, and, uh, so yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't been, I would not have had the, the strength internally mm-hmm. to, to stand up to this type of thing emotionally, eternally without, you know, the things that my dad taught me right. growing up. So, so everything that I know about you, everything that I've read about you and having met you personally that night, everything about you screams to me you you're a good guy you're one of the good guys right <laughs> and you're on be, yeah. city council has any of this affected the way you view local government and local police uh i mean i, I would i would definitely be lying if i said it didn't um i i grew up being a big supporter of the police i always thought the police profession was an extremely fascinating line of work and they're badasses i mean they're not Sure, not there, there, are, there I mean. are a lot of good ones, that's for sure. Um, uh, but unfortunately, in a profession like law enforcement, the power and responsibility that they have means that if there's just one bad apple, it's yeah. one is too many. There can't be any. When you have the ability to take someone's freedom it's the or Serpico life. story. Right. When you, when you have the power to take someone's life or freedom, there is no room for there to be any bad apples. There, zero. Yeah. There can be none. None. No, I mean, we're seeing that kind of thing right. a lot. Lately. And I, I get frustrated when I hear people say, well, you know, what about all the good ones? No, the good ones are doing the, their job. They're right. doing their job that they signed up to do. And we thank them for their service and we pay them to do it. When officers do bad things, they need to be held accountable. It hurts the image and the reputation of those good officers when bad officers are not held accountable. It tarnishes the image of the entire profession. It really does. And it's frustrating for me because, like I said, I grew up 
a, a supporter of the police. I watched cops and real stories of the high <laughs> patrol. And I had a collection of toy police cars growing up. I always thought I, one year out for my birthday, I wanted a, a Lego police station. It was like $150, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, my dad got it for me for my birthday. You know, um, I've been on, uh, even before I was on city council, I've, I regularly go to the Norman police Academy graduation every year. I go to, yes, I go to their police memorial service every year. Uh, last year I was the only member of the city council that attended the memorial service. Yes. Real quick. How old are you? I'm 32. Yeah. I was 28 when I was elected four years ago. I was the youngest week council member we'd had in over 20 years and I'm tied for the second youngest council member we've ever had. And so, um, yeah. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. The first time I ran, I was 26 and I didn't know what I was doing and I <laughs> had no money and I lost in a runoff by 21 votes to an wow. opponent yeah. that was uh, 50 years older than me and had about $15,000 more in their campaign account to spend than I yeah. did. So, um, uh, that person was very well known. Like I said, I lost by 21 votes in a runoff. So I ran two years later against that same, who was now the incumbent, <laughs> right. and I beat her by 28 votes. So, wow. Congratulations. And then, uh, and then 2015, I was reelected. Nobody ran against me. And then just uh, here in 2017, I just got So re-elected. now you're kind of a shoe-in every year? Well, I don't know. I want to uh, say, say that just because sure. it sounds hopeful, <laughs> <laughs> and I like you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we run every two years in Norman. Um, and, uh, yeah, the ward I represent has pretty much the entire OU campus in it and uh, some neighborhoods that are around the campus. And uh, overwhelmingly, the students do not vote. Uh, they can. And I have uh, go through a lot of effort throughout the year trying to <laughs> encourage students to vote in local elections and why they should, even though they may not be from here. But I figure if you're going to live in Norman for four or five, so whatever years while you're in school, um, it would be beneficial to vote in the local elections and have an impact on what's going on. And maybe if you do that, you'd want to stay if you've invested mm-hmm. in the community that way. So, but unfortunately, they don't really vote. Um, I was not elected by students going out and overwhelmingly uh, putting me in there. Um, I had to get support from not only younger folks, but from you know older voters who are the people that vote the most, you know, honestly. And so, and luckily from a city council standpoint, our city government is, is, uh, our city council is by law nonpartisan. Um, we all are registered voters with a party, but, um, our elections are nonpartisan. We can't run as Democrats or Republicans. And, um, most of the issues the city deals with are not really partisan in nature anyway. Um, and so I like it that way because I think people have to actually get to know who the candidate is and what mm. they stand for. And so just saying, well, they're a Republican or they're a Democrat, so I'm not voting for them or I'm only voting for the D or the R. And so for me personally, uh, with city issues, I mean, some of my biggest supporters uh, are very opposite politically of me, but I respond to their calls, their emails. I take their concerns seriously and I, uh, I try to do what I can to help them regardless of what their political or affiliation or religious views or any of that. Right. It, to me, I'm an elected representative. I'm elected to represent everybody the best I can. Do you think, and I'm sure this is a question a lot of people have or gets addressed, that um, if you had not been a city council member, that Friendly Market would not have been targeted? Um, I, that's not necessarily true. I think me being on the city council and being a general manager brought a lot of attention to the store before I worked there. The, the police warned the owner not to sell these items. Okay. And he actually did stop selling them for a few months after the police department warned him, uh, about it. Educated, I think is what they called it. Um, (laughs) he stopped selling the pipes after that, but then there were a couple legal cases, one involving a federal judge ruling in favor of Ziggy's, which many people in Oklahoma. I know Ziggy's well. You know, Ziggy's got in trouble. I've passed many a drug yeah. test thanks to Ziggy's. Well, Ziggy's got in <laughs> trouble a few months ago or a few years ago under a previous owner. The uh, new owner bought it and the police started trying to, you know, harass him a little bit. Well, a federal judge ruled in his favor saying the police cannot harass property owners and threaten to take their property if they rent out to these stores, stuff like that. A federal judge ruled that. And then another case in Oklahoma, in McAllister, there was a store called the Funky Monkey. And uh, this store sells smoking accessories, and they do piercings and tattoos, and they sell adult toys and stuff like that. Um, the police went into the, 
the Funky Monkey under the suspicion that they were selling uh, synthetic marijuana or, uh, you know, illegal, illegal substances. No. Synthetic marijuana is awful. They raided that store, took all their pipes, went to their bank account, took their money, took the took money out of the bank account of the mother-in-law. Really? Who the wife and husband bought the business from the mother-in-law several months before that. Well, the police took the money from the mother-in-law that was used to buy the business from Unbelievable. Her. They took the pipes. Holy they took everything. shit. But they didn't charge them with any crime. Didn't charge them with any crime, but they did file to take and keep their stuff. They, they did asset forfeiture yes. with no crime? And that is a thing about asset forfeiture that a lot of people do not realize. There does not have to be a crime committed. Holy. The government, the police can take your yeah. property. Do you have any house? Scary that is? Yeah, Scary. It's, it basically the idea is that if they think that the property has been used yes. for illegal purposes. They just have to think so. With no proof. Yeah, no, civil asset forfeiture is like one of the craziest And you have to things. prove them wrong. And, and, and you, yeah. got, you got money back. We got all of the money back <clears throat> yesterday. And you just said something that's really interesting about that. You said you have to prove them wrong, which means at its core, that is the exact opposite yes. of the idea of innocent until Absolutely. proven guilty. It's, yeah. we, we're going to assume you're guilty until you can prove to us that this wasn't. Well, and, and until just the last few years, the general public had no idea what civil asset forfeiture was. And yeah. it really just... Apparently, it just it really didn't start getting vastly abused by law enforcement until vastly the abused. last few years. Well, and and I, it, it is it, most forfeiture cases, the amount of money or product that's taken, merchandise, is less than $10,000. Okay? And the reason for that is that if it's less than $10,000, most people will not fight it because it will cost more than that in legal fees to hire an attorney, go through court proceedings to try mm-hmm. and get your stuff back. So... I'm not going to spend 10 grand to get my five grand back. Am I probably no. not? So that's the problem. And those are the kind of yeah. cases where it's like, you're not going to get the police to cover the legal fee. That's right. You win or anything yeah. like that. It's like, Oh, you're right. They, they were wrong. So here's your $5,000 back. But Oh, by the way, you're well, and so in the, the case of the funky monkey, that's what they tried to do. The funky monkey hired Wagner and Lynch law firm, which is based in McAllister and who just has been representing us. We found out about Wagner and Lynch because of the funky monkey case. The owners decided to contest the forfeiture, and when they did, they were threatened with criminal charges. If you fight this, we'll file criminal charges against you. They didn't back down. And then one day at the Wagner and Lynch law firm, all these boxes showed up, and it was all their pipes and all their merchandise and almost all of their money back. I say almost. I can't explain why it wasn't all. Some of it was missing. Some of it was missing. So the police and the district attorney in Pittsburgh County believed they didn't have a case against the funky monkey. So there was a federal ruling in Oklahoma city in regard to Ziggy's. And then there was a case in McAllister where the police had to admit they were wrong without going to court and gave all that, that store, the funky monkey is open right now. Today you can go there and buy really? any pipe you want to and all the adult toys you want. So um, I need a lot of adult toys so, so they can accommodate when that happened. Um, I was not working for the friendly market yet. But Robert Cox, the owner, had come to me as a member of the city council saying, what's the deal in Norman? Is there a Norman ordinance? Because people always say, why, why aren't these stores allowed in Norman? What's the deal with Norman? And so he wanted me to find out. He said, I got visited by the Norman police. They're saying these are illegal. I've had other legal counsel tell me it's not illegal. And also these stores exist all over the state of Oklahoma, including all over Oklahoma City. So what's the deal? Is there a city of Norman ordinance against this? So I, I, uh, I, got, I met with him, and then I went and met with city uh, legal staff and to try to find out there is no city of Norman rule against glass pipe stores or anything. So, I mean, effectively, what we can kind of maybe infer from all this is that the Norman PD has always put so much pressure on these That's kinds correct. of stores that it's just become learned that you do not bother with this. Well, and, and it's a two-combination thing because they ended up having a district attorney that was – willing to go with them and prosecute these cases okay. where the previous district attorney of Cleveland County, Tim Kirkendall, uh, everything we've gathered about him and he did testify in our trial and his testimony did help us because it contradicted the police and the district attorney's comments about yeah. what paraphernalia is. But in his opinion, when he was district attorney, he would go after the stores if they were selling illegal substances, if they were selling marijuana, if they were selling illegal, uh, uh, K2 or synthetic stuff, any kind of illegal substances he would go after or he would prosecute. If the police went after him, he would prosecute it. But 
he believed uh, his stance was you follow these rules signs that say they're for tobacco only do not mm-hmm. talk about illegal substances do not let anybody come into the store and talk about illegal substances yeah. do not sell illegal substances if you do those things you are following the law and that's the really like just frustrating part of this is those are we said this kind of before but those are the exact same kind of concepts that liquor stores have to abide by right signage nobody's going in whatever i mean i think in a liquor store i don't know if there's anything that would if i walked in there with my friend and we were talking about smoking weed if there's anything the liquor store had no, to do no. but but, but they're not selling were, the product yeah. that's if you went in there and you were uh, and you were clearly wasted i don't think yeah. they could sell it to you right, right. same yeah. as a bar can't sell you if you're clearly wasted they could get they could be liable it just goes know? back to that sort of double standard about the perception of of those practices well, versus right. the perception. Of- and the state law talks about the steps to determine what is paraphernalia. And there's 12 steps actually. And it includes the presence of illegal substances or, um, uh, if the store knows that the person re- knows or reasonably should know if the person they're selling it to is going to use it illegally. So again, if you come in and say, Hey man, I'm looking for a pipe to smoke weed out of, and I sell it to you, I am breaking the law. Right. Yeah. And, but if you come in, you say, I, mean, I, I, I like that one, I'll take it, and you pay for it and leave, that I is not against the law. that's probably similar to gun shops. If I walk in there and say, hey, I want to buy that pistol to kill my crazy ex-wife. Right. They'd probably go, uh, no. Exactly. But if you, I just want to say, hey, that pistol liable. looks great. I'd love to buy it. They're yeah. going to you know, do whatever. You meet, the, you meet, you meet past the background, do that. Yeah. Um, so that's the, it's the same concept, really. And, um, and uh, uh as a gun shop, and we've actually had a lot of – we had a police chief in southern Oklahoma write, a, write an article after our jury verdict of not guilty, wrote an article the next day praising that verdict. In his opinion, glass pipes were not paraphernalia uh, unless there were drugs involved. And in his opinion, um, if the government could say, well, you know, we just don't think there's a legitimate use for the – that's what they're trying to argue. There's no legitimate legal use for glass pipes. They can only be used for illegal substances is what they're trying to make the case of. Okay. And this police chief said if the government could say there's no legitimate purpose for something like this, they could say the same thing about guns. Guns are used to mostly shoot something or people. Well, guns don't kill people. Right. But people use them to, yeah, right? But so it would have said in his a president, opinion, they were then, the same thing. They're the same. Whether yeah. he agrees with glass pipes or not or people smoking marijuana is irrelevant. But in his view, the, the government, the, the ability of the government to broadly interpret things was a slippery slope, you could say. Yeah. And so, uh, and that police chief is a former Norman police officer. Yeah, because for all so, you know, I'm crazy. Oh. I'm going to go buy a glass pipe and literally go pull grass out of my front yard and try to smoke that. Right. And in our, in our trial, we presented one witness. And that one witness was a marijuana cannabis expert from the state of Colorado, certified by the state of Colorado on how to safely consume marijuana and the uh, products you could use to consume. And he's an expert on uh, retail of marijuana, how to uh, – he trains people on how to, set, how to be a retailer, a, a legal yeah, retailer. Yeah. Um, he testified in our trial that in his opinion, his professional opinion, the safest and cleanest way to smoke any substance is through a glass pipe. Because it doesn't yeah. off-gas when you set fire to it like a wooden pipe or a metal pipe will. And whereas a wooden pipe can be uh, encourage bacterial growth sure. in the wood, a glass pipe does not. And he says, so he says it's the cleanest and safest way to consume any substance if you're going to smoke it. That's his, that was his professional Well, opinion. yeah, I mean you can, you can make that <clears throat> a realization by looking at the fact that a lot of these glass pipes are made out of the same glass that we make scientific equipment. Right. Right. We make glass beakers out of Pyrex and things like that for those exact reasons. Right. And, Cause and I don't a, want yeah. something contaminating my experiment or my process. Or, and it's an artwork too. Um, one of the things that he hit on in his testimony was every single glass pipe is unique. There is not two of the same pipe in the entire world. Yeah, they're all blown, right? Yeah, they're all blown. There's not, there's no, there's no mass production of a glass pipe. They're all unique, and he says that's something why people would use a glass pipe instead of smoking a cigarette or use a wooden pipe is the uniqueness, the individuality of of a glass pipe. The collect, people, some people like to collect them because they're so unique and they are a, a intricate form of art. Um, you know, and like I said at the beginning, we never argued that we weren't trying to play dumb and say, "What do you mean nobody uses these illegally?" Uh, we didn't say that. We said we know people do use these to smoke marijuana. We know that that happens. What we're saying is 
That's not what the friendly market sold them for. That was not the intended purpose we sold them for. If you made it clear to us that's what you're going to use it for, we would not sell to you. And these are here's all these examples of how other legal herbs can and are smoked in the glass pipes. Now you can argue all day about, well, most people do this or don't. And sure. well, that's, it's irrelevant how many people we think use them for marijuana. The fact is, we know for a fact. There are people that do smoke tobacco out of them, and there are valid, legitimate reasons why they do it. Um, whether it's the majority way is, is irrelevant. Um, there's also multiple legal herbs like Damiana, uh, uh, marshmallow root. Um, I forget. He, uh, our, salvia. Well, I guess that's not legal here that, anymore. Yeah. Uh, our expert went over, I think, five different legal herbs that he personally has smoked out of glass pipes, and the, in his professional opinion – uh, is used that way. So, um, and many of those legal herbs can be bought in Norman at places like the earth, you know? Mm. And so, uh, it was interesting in the trial because again, that was our only witness. Our only witness was a marijuana expert from the state of Colorado <laughs> and all the witness, the 10 witnesses or whatever that the prosecution put up were all law enforcement officials, except for one, uh, a business owner of a, of a, pipe store, a competing business basically in Norman, who he only sells tobacco and wooden mm-hmm. pipes. And the, what he testified to was he doesn't sell glass pipes because he's afraid of the police. Um, that's what he testified yeah. to. <laughs> that's, that's a very interesting point. Yeah. Um, not because it's illegal, but he's a, he did not, he, the police told him not to sell it and right, he didn't want right. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we obviously exist in a time now where um, sentiment towards uh, marijuana is um, uh, becoming much more relaxed, right? right. I mean, especially with states... Um, you know, legalizing it for recreational use and other states having it just for um, medicinal use. There is still amongst the population a a very healthy fear of drugs. A lot of people that have never experimented with marijuana that don't like the things that they feel are associated with it. So was there in the neighborhood where Friendly Market is, was there maybe some kind of like – Un- unwelcoming attitudes towards your shop from citizens around there? Uh, none that we have experienced. Um, the friendly market was located in a generic shopping strip mall, mm-hmm. in a, at a very busy intersection, Norman on the east side, kind of close to campus. Um, but there were no houses around it or there's some apartments around it, but there's like a Walmart neighborhood market and a seven 11 a family video and some fast food restaurants. But, uh, and like I said, the family video who, uh, they owned actually own the shopping strip that they're, that we were in. They, like I said, they have a, a room for, you know, like adult videos and things across the street is a liquor store next to the seven yeah. 11. You have a hookah bar next to that. So it's just it's, a general den of debauchery. over there. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> den of yeah. Debauchery. So as far as you knew, then there was no, um, uh, general attitudes uh, against no. your store that you were aware I mean, of. No, yeah. I hate to profile like this, but Norman's a college town. It is. That's right. Uh, what does that mean? What I mean by that is, if people were buying things at the friendly market for illegal purposes outside of friendly markets awareness, I would wager that the vast majority of those people would be college students. Can I? Can I? And make- I would wager that the vast majority of people in that area are college students. So it's, that would be like knowing that there's a section of town that's completely populated by vegetarians and putting a salad restaurant in and thinking that they'd be pissed off at that. Can I make an, a really offensive (laughs) assumption, a really offensive assumption, college kids smoke weed sometimes. I'd say that's probably accurate. Yeah. Are you offended? That, that's kind of is what that, I'm saying. That's, yeah, that's what that, I'm well, and, and that's been a, <laughs> that's been an issue. A lot of people have brought up because, you know, a lot of people think of Norman as a more of a progressive bastion in the state of Oklahoma. That's really, you know, conservative. I think red. of Norman as liberal. A lot of people think Norman is liberal. Is that wrong? Uh, I would say Norman is liberal compared to the rest of the state of Oklahoma. Uh, if you compare this to a lot of other college towns, you might not. I used think to live so, in but, Denver. Yeah. I lived in Denver for 10 years and I miss it every day and having lived in Denver and between living in Denver and moving back here to Oklahoma, I lived in Western Pennsylvania and I won't even go into the story of why I left Western Pennsylvania, but it has something to do with voting a black president in coming here. I feel like the liberals are almost conservative. Uh, yeah, that's do you Oklahoma feel that? Democrats like, are known for being for, for Norman fair. to be probably the most liberal college town 
in Oklahoma and to have some of the most liberal residents, I found it exceedingly ironic for that to happen to you in that town. It, it That's is, the town that should yeah. have... You should be a hero in that town. Yeah, and, and, and you're vilified. I would I would well, tell you right now the Norman residents overwhelmingly ninety nine to hundred to one say, are supportive. So of that the goes family. back to the, it was just voted eighty percent in. So I think so. Did this go back the, to the, the the vilification of friendly market? Who's vilifying Holman? I mean, we have to assume that it's the police department based the, on what. Yeah, and I'm not saying you're saying this because I'll say it because can we make an assumption? Well, the assumption is we already talked. We've established this retailers in Norman were literally afraid of the police That's for right. selling those kinds of products. Obviously, if the city of Norman thought you were a bad person, then just a few months ago, they wouldn't have voted you back in a city council in That's the right. middle of all of this. Right. Nobody objected. It's not like people were out picketing and protesting the store when it opened. Have you, has your house been egged? No. And <laughs> even what you were saying about the previous cleveland county da the da only gets involved so it wasn't like the da came to the norman pd and said hey you know that store we need to we need to crack down on this kind of crap in my in my county no this this to me based on the information presented was an act of the police that then gained the support of the da that then turned it into a thing that nobody else really gave basically what took place is when district attorney Greg Mashburn, who doesn't just represent Cleveland County, but uh, two other counties, um, when he was elected in 2006, uh, Garvin and um, McLean, uh, when he was elected in 2006, he defeated the incumbent, Tim Kirkendall. And uh, his whole deal was that Tim Kirkendall is not tough on crime and he's only got a 30% conviction rate or something like that. Greg Mashburn ran on being hard on, hard, tough on crime, you know, real war on drugs, let's ramp it up you know, old school and, uh, a particular detective with the Norman police department, uh, figured out, Hey, I can, I can press the limits of the law here and this district attorney will back me up. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, uh, it's unfortunate because, you know, 2011, we hired a new police chief in Norman from out of state. We hired him based this before I was on the city council, but he was hired based on his credentials and community oriented policing and his progressive attitude. His Facebook profile picture is him standing next to Barack Obama. Um, yet he has condoned and supported this effort wow. uh, against the friendly market and other similar stores. And I get it. Law enforcement want to band together and they really don't like admitting when they're wrong. Yeah. Um, uh, which leads me to, you know, today, yesterday, like I said, we, we got all the money back in the friendly market case yesterday from the state. The state is Congratulations for that. Is but they have up. not returned your inventory. Today we were notified via letter from the Norman city attorney and the Norman police chief that they believe the items are drug paraphernalia and they are not going to give them back to the owner. But did anybody use them to smoke so, drugs? No. Or, wait a minute. That isn't... <laughs> how does that even... Are you going like, to try to apply logic... Well, I know a mean, motion has already been filed and a court date has been set for July fifth, July 5th. ten a.m. and Judge Stephen Stice. So we're going to need a County sequel Courthouse. episode. Yes, I mean I, it'll just, be a hearing over <laughs> the property. <laughs> How can they yeah. even think that that's like what do you what do you what do you believe that their intention in that is? Is it just try to give you like one last little jab? Again, it's hard to admit you're wrong. Yeah. And it's and hard to lose. And, and you don't, as the winner right now, you don't want to go around making assumptions and gloating and making negative comments towards them. But this right? feels like right. this feels but you like kind of what you want to. I I want to. Yeah. And as I said earlier, you're the bigger man. You're not the one. But I want to reading being the one reading the articles. I want to lash out. I want to say negative stuff. So about it makes them, people. Right? I'm going to assume like- at this point that you're going to go into that trial. You're going to win again because at this point. <laughs> Way too many things have gone in your favor in this case yeah. already for this to even be a question. And then somehow, accidentally, all your stuff's going to get broken on the way back to the store. Yeah, that would be – that's a th- that's a concern. Um, although if that, that did happen, they would have to uh, – the city of Norman would be responsible for the value of those items. At that point, they would be? Yes. Would they pay it? Let me ask you they this. They would be forced to by the court if the court did rule that way, yes. If that stuff is broken before it's And they already ruled? did break some of them, we know, because some of the items they presented in the trial as evidence, one of them was broken. Do we know if they <laughs> kept any for their personal use? I I couldn't comment on any of that. No, because yeah. you're <laughs> the bigger man. Sure. <laughs> would it? Would they be liable for it if they broke it before they were ordered to return it? Yes. 
So it's in their possession, they're responsible. That's right. It's not their property. They just have possession of it. And so if any of it's broken, they have broken private property. They've destroyed private property. Um, And so, you know, there's all kinds of wild theories on Facebook today about, well, they're fighting. They're, they're not going to give it back because they broke them all, or they already destroyed them all, and they don't. They're not going to give it back because there's a really good pipe, right? Yeah, you know <laughs> they don't uh, want to give it up. Um, so our attorneys filed a motion today, this morning, saying, "Okay, we'll we'll go to court then." And uh, so Judge Stice, 10 a.m. July 5th, we'll find out about that. But yeah, we got two checks from the DA's office yesterday, and so now the state is completely. They're done. They're finished with it. So the property though has been Norman in the PD. custody of the North City of Norman. So, so I want to uh, play the devil's advocate here a little bit. If you think about within uh, police culture, like if you are a police officer and you're amongst other police officers, there's obviously a whole other culture and way of sure. thinking that is complete opposite than, say, you know, people that support you or, you know, probably what our attitude here is on the show. Obviously, drugs are illegal. And I would know that like we, have had a, we have had quite a few police officers and people in law enforcement that have supported us. OK. And, yeah. Um, so, including members of the Norman Police Department. So, there's obviously some kind of culture within this police department where um, going after the friendly market seemed. I would have to think in some people's minds, some of those places, like a, a, a the correct thing to do. They've never had anybody stand up to them on this issue. There's never been a trial over paraphernalia with no drugs in Norman uh, that anybody could find. Well, and then if you think about it in terms of, you know, you were just saying it's it's hard to lose. Yes. And you're right. If somebody's going to stand up to you, um, you would think that if you're going to pick a fight, that you're going to at least try to pick a fight that you're going you to win. win. Right. They also at some point in time in their heads had to have known that this couldn't be a fight they could win. Or do you think that maybe they thought they could? Well, it's hard to say. There has been some belief that they're just living in their own bubble of some sort where okay. no outside influence gets in. Um, because if they were paying attention and concerned about what the community thought and the community standards, it would have never gotten this far. So are they out of touch? In my opinion, they are out of touch. I, they are out of touch with the community they serve okay. very much. And I, 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 I would say that that's when I see and hear stories of police taking action in a lot of places around the country, and a lot of things have happened recently. That sentiment right there is kind of underlying. It's like, who who do you think you're doing that for? Right, right. Like, who are you trying to protect? Who are you trying to protect? Mm-hmm. Like, because it feels like in some of the thing, without making any specific references to stuff that's come out lately, but it feels like in watching some of these things evolve, it's always put back on, well, the officer was worried about their safety. Sure. They were worried about themselves. They were worried about their ideals, their whatever. And I'm not going to try to pigeonhole all police. I know there are some fantastic police officers. I've met a lot of them around the city. They've helped a lot of events and different things. Sure. There's always great ones, like you are saying earlier. There's In my a lot opinion, of great though, aids. you know, the, the police, their job is to put everyone else's safety before their own, in right. my opinion. That's what they sign can up I, for. Can I disagree with your opinion? Sure. Okay. What, you disagree with that? <laughs> I, dis- I disagree with his opinion. You you think that police officers should always put their safety before? I'm saying they do. They do yes. put their, yes. They I'm saying, saying, he's saying He's saying oh. his opinion is that they should put Everyone else's safety. Everyone else's safety should be ahead of their own. That is what their job is to protect and serve, not protect themselves. Well, you know, and they ahead of everyone else. The motto is no longer. You know why that? Wait, hold on. What's the the motto? It's something like we proudly serve. The reason why I misunderstood that is Uh, because I always uh, come in police officers with a negative perspective. I know I shouldn't. No, I mean, but I do. If you stop stop and think about it, like, and that's where it goes back to, like, we could go down a whole rabbit hole here, like lethal force and all that other stuff. But like, if you look at simply how we have attempted to outfit police officers, bulletproof vests, um, body cams have a different purpose. But even I think the whole reason initially police were given weapons that allowed deadly force goes back to your job is to protect the community you're serving. You don't carry that gun to protect your own life. Right. If in certain cases you should use that gun to protect your life, sure. If, yes. If the person is threatening others and yourself included, but if it's real concerning the these all these cases of police officers killing people because they were afraid. Yeah, I, it, it's hard. how if many you're a police in, officer. Why are you so scared? If you're so scared, you probably shouldn't be in that line of work. Right. 
Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm not trying to like just dictate when yeah. certain forces sure. used or not, but I think the general, and I think that's what's been lost. And even in these, the responses to these cases are like, you know, well, the, you know, the police officers, their lives matter too, and they're doing, all, and it's like, yes, you're not sure. Nobody's. You know, nobody, nobody all. has ever, nobody's ever said no one life, no one's life matters. No one's ever said that. No, no. But when I a police think it, officer is killed, there is a parade for them. Right. They're, uh, they get a memorial. They're memorialized forever when they're killed in the line of duty. Yeah. You know, they, they, their lives do matter. They matter to society. We Otherwise, we wouldn't do that. We don't bemoan them that. But right. what we what we do bemoan is the fact that they, when they take someone's life, there's no consequence. There's no consequence. There's no yeah. there's no accountability almost ever, and yeah. that is hard for the public to deal with. You know, the thing about uh, Norman, we were talking about being a progressive town and things. You know, what's really frustrating about this case with the friendly market is these types of stores exist all over the state of Oklahoma. There are more than a dozen just in OKC alone. And a lot of these stores though are in small towns in Oklahoma where the police definitely do not have anything better to do. And the police definitely know that the store is there. Mm -hmm. There's a store in Okmulgee uh, that's a drive-thru. It's an old Long John Silver's. It's called yeah. Johnny Appleseeds. You can buy your pipe to the drive-thru. Right on the main strip of Okmulgee. Yeah. I know for a fact the Okmulgee police know that store is there. Well, they yeah, know sure. it's there. And if it were illegal, what they're selling, they'd be in there so fast. And I was going to make that, <laughs> that comment earlier. I feel like in a city like Norman, there should be a lot of other things mm-hmm. the police are paying attention to. And besides. there are. There are. We, have, we average one or two murders a year in Norman. We've had six this year since January. We've had a rise in property crimes. We've, we've had a rise in, uh, you know, just personal crimes, assault, robbery, and we've had a rise in murders. They aren't necessarily connected. There's no, like, the murders aren't, there's no pattern. You know, they were random. But it's a concern to people, and people yeah. see that and say, I'm concerned about what's going on in Norman. Why are the police focused on this store that yeah. sells items that people yeah. can drive to Here. Oklahoma City and buy or buy them online on Amazon? You can buy yeah. these items at Target.com, Walmart.com, Amazon.com, or you can just drive 15 minutes to Southside OKC and buy whatever pipe you want. Uh, Stillwater, the home of the Oklahoma State Cowboys, rival of the Oklahoma Sooners, Stillwater has two of these stores, one of which is in downtown Stillwater and has been there for a couple decades. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've made a pipe out of a Pepsi yeah. can. Well, That's it, the other it, thing, too. It goes back. <laughs> it, to me, it sounds like as opposed to focusing on the protection of the community, this particular police department or the, the officers involved in this are trying to protect their own ideals about what that's right. An ideological agenda is, is what they're, I guess that was never been called on it before. Again, like I said, they've been able to get away with this for so long. They've never been challenged. And we know that people in law enforcement do not like to have their authority challenged. What um, do you think might be a result of this then that their authority has been challenged now and they lost. Do you think that there will be any negative consequences or positive consequences? Um, a lot of people are concerned for us, for our safety, for if the owner reopens the store, what will they do? Will they try to, you know, send somebody in and plant stuff? Or will they retaliation? Know, yes, exactly. Will they target at customers? Will they follow them home? Will they, you know, do things like that? Um, you know, so there is a concern about what they'll do. Um, and that's why I've you know, taken it upon myself as a representative of the community. I've met with the mayor and city manager to talk about this saying, Hey, it may not be the friendly market, but other stores like this are going to open in Norman. Norman, oh, yeah. there's a huge market for these items in Norman and it's being met, but in a different town, people are Oklahoma city is more than willing to take people's sales tax dollars for these items. Yeah. The and door has been opened in Norman now, though, in would Norman, you say? In Norman, we, had not, we have not had a positive month for sales tax returns since last July. We got our, a report last week that showed that May was our first positive month since last July in sales oh. tax returns. We have empty storefronts. We need the city of Norman, all cities in Oklahoma, a big college town. live and die by sales tax. That's all yeah, we got. I've been, I feel like I've been seeing a lot of articles in the last few years about businesses in Norman closing or yeah. like staples going up, like not, not the store staples, but like Norman staple. Businesses and it, yeah. Like and it's a concern in a lot of communities. The future of just retail in general is an issue, especially big box stores. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, and so, you know, you're, 
if you if you need a cities need to be encouraging and supporting as many family locally owned businesses as they yeah. possibly can. And Norman is no different. I, I told the mayor and the city manager, I said, we any legitimate business that wants to open Norman, we need to be open arms welcoming them in here. We need yeah. every penny we can get. Um, uh, and there's real concern about the city's budget and decline in sales tax and internet sales and you know the Amazon sales tax is helping a little bit, but there's still long term concern. And uh, you know, the fact that there are no stores in Norman where you can buy a glass pipe does not mean that any person in Norman stopped smoking whatever they were smoking. No, I mean, you're effectively talking about prohibition. Though. If people well, want to use a glass pipe. Prohibition has never worked. People are going to, anybody. people are driving to Oklahoma City and buying it, or they're buying it online. And the city of Norman is completely missing out. Yep. Um, in my opinion, people that do want to use glass pipes to smoke illegal substances like marijuana, the fact that there's not a store in Norman where they can buy the pipe and my, I could pretty much guarantee not a single person decided they weren't going to smoke marijuana because they couldn't buy oh, the pipe. No, I mean, not a single that's person. A, that's a common, uh, what's the like shtick about marijuana smokers? Like they'll MacGyver a pipe out of anything. anything. A Pepsi yes. can. Like yes. if I, if, if, if a marijuana smoker has weed, they will literally, yeah, cut it up in a can. So, deform a tomato or potato. It's frustrating, that, it's frustrating <laughs> that this is even an issue because I recently visited some friends of mine just a couple of years ago and drove by the house that I used to live in and within a mile of that house is a legal weed shop. Sure. Like there's friends of mine yeah. that were used to be my neighbors in Denver that are legally buying weed and right now we're having a fucking debate over glass pipes right. that no yeah. one's doing anything with. Right. And let's ignore the billions of dollars in sales taxes that these other states are. Billions, exactly. no, no one buys it. I mean, Denver doesn't make any money well, off of weed, I, right? No one buys it. One right? example here in Oklahoma is uh, uh, Curiosity in Tulsa. It's a store. Is that, that the name of the shop? Yes. Oz for short. It's on Cherry Street or 15th and in Tulsa there near downtown. And um, they've been open since 1969. Same location. That's a great year. Now, I guarantee you the Norm- uh, the Tulsa Police Department knows that store is there and they know what they sell in that store. Yeah. I guarantee yeah. it. There's no, it's been there since 1969. Yeah. There's another store in Tulsa that's been open since uh, the Starship, I think, has been open since the 80s. Yeah. No problem. Uh, uh, there are actually more stores in Tulsa than there are in OKC. And... Um, I went on a tour of these stores a few months ago, uh, compiling a database basically of all these stores that exist and what their experience has been with the law. And we went to one store that's behind a, it's behind a quick trip in Tulsa <laughs> and the front of the store front is a giant Bob Marley face. That's wow. the glass, the covering over the glass Where is this at? Uh, in South Tulsa. It's called uh, evolution. Yeah. And talk to the owner or the manager of the store. She says, yeah, Tulsa PD, they park right there at that quick trip and they're, they drink their coffee and take their break. They're looking right in here. They've never come in here once. Wow. Broken Arrow. Norman's the third largest city in the state of Oklahoma. Broken Arrow is the fourth largest city. They've got two stores. Okmulgee, Muskogee, Stillwater, Pocket City, has Bartlesville, yeah. Woodward, and Lawton, all those. Ar- Ardmore, Ada, McAllister, Shawnee. I mean, you name it. Almost every yeah. town in the state has one. So what happened to you is really an anomaly. Yes. You were targeted. Yes. Well, so... Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you on. I can say I talk to you all night. I know. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's so much about this. I want to I want to plug a thing that I hope you join us. On. But all I know is I just want to say, watch out, Walmart, because yeah. people do a legal thing with knives. <laughs> That's yes. right. I have a knife right here in my pocket. Better watch out with a lighter. Don't buy a lighter. You need one of yeah. those to use. But drugs. we got like yeah. 30 minutes left, and I want I want to take Stephen Tyler Holman with us over to 612 for this little event. I want to plug it real quick. This is Amy Young's current artist in residence. She says our 2017 summer resident, Josh Jabberpix, <laughs> joshjabberpix.com photography, has given so much to 612 and to Oklahoma during his time with us, and the goodness just keeps coming. If you'd like to meet with him and see what we've been up to during this residency, you have two more chances, which you don't, because this is going to yeah, come out of the time this. you hear that, I don't even know why so, he's going through this Because whole I want to tell you, when the, I'm hoping they see good pictures from this. Tonight, June 22nd, until 9 p.m., Josh is providing a pop-up individual portrait night. Come and have your portrait made for free. So I want to have a wafty show portrait made. I would like to see a Stephen, Holman, Stephen Tyler Holman portrait made. And then on the 23rd, which will be after this, they're going to host an end-of-residency show. So 
I'm just doing this to promote 612. Yeah. And I'm hoping that uh, we're going to leave here after this podcast and we're going to go take some cool photos that will be promoted on social media when this show comes out on Monday well, let's go. following. Yeah. So I'd like to make it there before that happens because this guy deserves to have his picture taken. <laughs> well, let's yeah. go. I wonder if they have a giant marijuana leaf backdrop. That you can <laughs> My attorneys would advise me not to, <laughs> not to take a picture in front of that. As your attorney, I advise you... <laughs> Yeah. So uh, yeah. Again, I appreciate you guys having yeah, me. Uh, thank it's you a so pleasure. much. Like I, said, I don't come to the city very often anymore, but uh, I, it's a pleasure always to come up here. I appreciate you having me, and uh, anytime you'd like to have me back, I, I'd be willing. I hope you come visit us more often. It's an honor. Thank, thank you, you, Stephen. You've been listening to the Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song "Cement Truck" off the album "Between Heaven and Jonestown," recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's, Kurt's awesome. awesome. That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists—they're out there working hard for you. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show. Facebook.com slash Wafty Show. We'll see you next week. Woo! I'll be here.